You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The following is a paid program sponsored by Crawford Management Group and Smart Time Consultants. Please be advised that the voices and opinions you hear do not represent the views of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Hi, my name is Leah Crawford. And I'm Rhonda Nolan. And you're listening to the Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. For all the beautiful entrepreneurs out there, this is for you. Good morning, Las Vegas. Leah, how are you doing on this fine Saturday morning? Hey, Rhonda. Okay, so it rained. Yes. Then it rained. (laughs) Yes. And then it rained. That's right. Okay, so I don't know if you know, because it doesn't rain a lot in Vegas, you don't know if you have leaks in your roof. Oh. You don't know if you have house issues. Oh. Okay. And until it rains. Until it rains. Because it doesn't rain in Vegas, for real. I looked up in my office. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Here we go. But thank you for the rain. <laughs> I appreciated it because it cleaned everything up. But it's been a lot of rain this year. It, it has been. We This month has been very rainy. It hadn't been over the last couple of years, but when I first moved to Las Vegas, it rained a lot, and then there was no rain, and now we're back to rain again. And back to rain again, and rain again. And my weeds love it. Your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your weeds do love it. Your weeds do love it. And I realized that because it was raining, and I went out back, and it was a weed as tall as me. I was sitting there. I was like, well, where did you come from? Exactly. And so we pulled him out, <laughs> said thank you, and then we moved on. But pools you got to put the chemicals back in your pool and do all the other stuff around the house it's a lot so a lot. las vegas we got rain we got rain but that means the weather is beautiful weather's we have beautiful lovely. weather weather's lovely how's your foot oh, we're getting there okay all right well enough about us because today y'all we have a very very special guest in the studio we are going to talk about her her background um I guess reintroduce her again to this community because she's been here for a while now. She's going to tell us about her story. Miss Phyllis James, welcome to the welcome. Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, you, it's our pleasure. Um, thank you for accepting the invitation. We truly appreciate it. Phyllis, okay, so I want to know your background. I, I, I want to jump right in. Where are you from? I grew up in Washington, D.C. Love her. There you go. Yep. Go, go music. No, uh, way before go-go music. <laughs> okay, so we are both Howard graduates. Okay. Both of us are Howard graduates. My daughter's a Howard graduate. We love D.C. So love D.C. Love D.C. Where'd you go to college? I went to uh, what was then called Radcliffe College, but it was the female part of Harvard College. Now it's Harvard College. Now it's Harvard College. Okay, where'd you go? Okay, so you're a lawyer. Yes. Where'd you go to law school? I went to Harvard Law School. So you went to Harvard all the way through. You were in the Boston area? Yes. Okay. Cambridge. Cambridge. Cam- I'm sorry. Cambridge. So are you Martha's Vineyard? Did you go to the Vineyard and stuff? No. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's okay. So Harvard, the other HU. The other... We, we okay right okay. it is University. it is Howard University okay I, right we're gonna take that <laughs> we, we we accept <laughs> what made you want to be an attorney what drove because law school because oh, I don't want to okay I guess there I, I'll answer your yeah, question okay. this way um, there are two there are three big reasons why the first is uh, I grew up watching 
Perry Mason on television. Okay. He was my introduction to law and my role model because I didn't know any lawyers. Um, I never met a lawyer uh, when I was growing up. So uh, I was so impressed by the fact that he seemed to be all-knowing. He did his homework. Yes. He was ultimately rational, and uh, he commanded the courtroom, even schooling the judges. And so I thought, oh, you know what? I want to do that. Yes. That's what I I wanted to do. I wanted to be like him. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the first reason... And then uh, when I was growing up, I think this was around junior high school, I met a woman who was not from D.C., but was a student at Howard University Law School. Yes. And she was living with a family around the corner from me, and I knew it was her cousin. So she was boarding uh, with that family while she was in law school. And she had to do a mock uh, court competition. Yes. And mock trial, right? Mock trial. mock trial. And she was playing the role of prosecutor in this fictitious case. And they needed a young girl to play the role of Ola Finch was her name, okay. her fictitious name. She had been fooling around with an older guy and went down to Haynes Point in Washington, D.C. and um, became involved sexually with this man. And the question was, was it rape or was it consensual? And that was... Oh, wow. And that was heavy. I had to learn the role. I mean, because there was a whole script... And I had to learn direct examination and cross-examination. And I thought, oh, this is very, very interesting. So uh, that was the second reason. The third reason was when I got to college, uh, I met a lot of people at the graduate schools at Harvard. And a lot of law students used to come over and study at the undergraduate uh, library that I studied at. Okay. And uh, I grew friendly with a particular law student who was, uh, uh, to me, she was older. I mean, she was the typical age for a law student. <laughs> okay. But, um, and uh, so um, she became kind of my model. Um, nice. And that's uh, how I ended up going to law school. Wow. That's fantastic. That is amazing. Barack Obama also went to Harvard, Harvard Law School. Law School. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot. Yeah, no. Harvard Law School. I am impressed. But you've been here in Las Vegas for how long now? Since 2002. Over 20 years. Yes. Over. Yeah, wow. It's over 20 years. Over 20 years. So your career in Vegas, what have you done here in Vegas? So I joined... Uh, uh, MGM Resorts International, um, it uh, kind of was an outgrowth of the second major part of my career. I um, met uh, the MGM leadership when they competed 
for a license to build and operate a hotel casino uh, complex in downtown Detroit. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was the chief lawyer for the city of Detroit Got under it. Mayor Dennis Archer. Nice. And after our term in office ended, I was recruited by uh, the leadership of MGM Resorts to join. So I joined MGM Resorts as a lawyer uh, (laughs) in-house, and uh, I had a number of different legal roles. I uh, was property counsel for uh, MGM Grand Detroit, although I always lived in Las Vegas, Mm. a lot of travel there. Right. And uh, I then became... uh, uh, the head of MGM's corporate legal uh, litigation function. And uh, later in around 2008, uh, I took on the additional role of chief diversity officer nice. for MGM Resorts. And uh, then I became the chief corporate responsibility officer. So I also took on responsibility for their community uh, philanthropy and social impact. And then finally, the last three years I was there, uh, I didn't work on the legal side, but I was basically the chief corporate social responsibility and diversity officer. Wow. And okay. now? And now? And now? And now? And now? What are we doing? And now uh, I'm the president uh, of a nonprofit foundation uh, that I formed uh, with the support of MGM Resorts uh, called the Foundation for Women's Leadership and Empowerment. The yeah. Foundation for Women's Leadership, Leadership and, and Empowerment. empowerment. Oh, That's so, fantastic. So being, being a, you, ha- okay, so just as you were naming, I, I couldn't write it down. I was like, she said that fast and I can't write it down. <laughs> you had some major positions throughout your career. Correct. Some major positions being a woman and especially a woman of color. Um, how did you, I mean, well, the first big job, how did you feel? Did you run home and tell your parents? Um, just family and friends. How how did you feel when you got your first major position and then things started happening for you? Well, my first uh, job was as a junior associate lawyer okay. in a major corporate law firm in San Francisco, okay. California. Um, by that point, my mom was deceased, sorry, so I... Um, didn't run home about that. And, you know, um, I, uh, I I don't know how much you know about uh, elite corporate law firms, but I know, I know I, a little bit. it's basically uh, work, 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 yes. work, 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 you know, the Rihanna song. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. right. No, it's it's, it's it real. Is. That's yes. real. It's, right. It's, it's, eight, it's, eight, it's eighty hours a week. No, it's, it's a sixteen-hour day. Easy. Yeah. yeah exactly. Easy. Mm-hmm. And so I. And you're really working. Yeah. And you're really working. And you're really working. Yes. Yeah. Right. So um, there's a, a funny story there. I um, I used to f- often do all-nighters, mm-hmm. or or work until you know three, four in the morning, 
And I had, back in those days, um, the lawyers didn't do their own typing. Um, we had word processors, and there was a particular word processor who uh, would work late for lawyers, and uh, a couple of them actually. So we became known as the three Catholic girls. Okay. Because if somebody had a rush project they needed to have done, they knew the three Catholic girls would get it done. Mm-hmm. And so... I know, I love that. I love that because, I mean, and, and I guess youth today, they don't understand technology wasn't there. It was not. No. Technology wasn't there. <laughs> you had a book that you had, I mean, because I, I work for, so my, my mentor was a Howard Law professor. Uh-huh. And he was um, native Washingtonian, third, fourth generation Washingtonian. So I know a little bit about, the, and then my daughter worked in big law for a little bit before she went somewhere else. And... We had all the legal books mm-hmm. and just him. And I was like, you, you've read those? And he's like, yeah, several times. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> I mean, just the reality of you having a hard you had to open a book and read and research. Yes. And there was a typewriter before the word process. And if you made a mistake. You had whiteout. <laughs> I, I don't know if they had whiteout. Did they have whiteout no, at first? Uh, not in the beginning. You had They had to really redo a lot they of things. They had to redo it. Wow. Had to redo it. Right, exactly. So when you see those old manuscripts and you and you look, okay, somebody <laughs> took a lot of time. Right. Okay. But that, that was my uh, first job. Uh, and I spent uh, uh, many... I'll, I'll call them person years, not man years. Okay. Uh, uh, working in law libraries into the wee hours <laughs> of the night. Um, and it did pay off because uh, I did become the first uh, black partner at my law firm. Can I give you a high five? I'm, I know they can't <laughs> see me. I know they can't see me. But that, no, because that's, that's huge. huge. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And when you when you talk about big corps and moving up, there's a lot you have to maneuver yes. in order to get there. Well, I mean, it, sometimes they say the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. But at that particular time, uh, which was in... Uh, the 80s, okay. uh, there was not much of a track record for African-American or other lawyers of color uh, in the elite corporate law firms of America. They were basically bastions of white maleness uh, sprinkled with some white women. Yeah. And as things developed, there became more white women but uh, very few lawyers of color. And so um, there were three, I would say, attitudes or mindsets that uh, lawyers of my generation in that particular context had to deal with. First off, corporate lawyers are considered the elite, the top echelon of the profession. So because they deal with the most complicated, the most complex, and the hardest legal problems on the planet, uh, there's a premium on, quote, smarts. And persons of color not having worked there had to prove that you were smart enough to be in a white law firm. And you had to prove that you could speak articulately 
and that you could write the king's English eloquently enough to be a part of that uh, rarefied atmosphere. Secondly, um, you had to demonstrate that you had the right temperament. That is, that you could be corporate in your demeanor. Uh, you could say the right things, do the right things, conduct yourself appropriately with clients, with judges, with other lawyers, etc. And you also had to prove that you had the work ethic that was necessary for those firms because they got paid by billing by the hour. So, I mean, nine to five was unheard of except for secretaries who were all women by that, uh, <laughs> right, by the way. Right, right, right. Uh, so you had to demonstrate mm-hmm. that you could work into the wee hours of the morning, mm-hmm. that you could do all-nighters, and that you could still be articulate and fresh and presentable regardless. Wow. So you are listening to the Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. I am Leah Crawford. I am Rhonda Nolan. And we have, we are most gracious to have Miss Phyllis James in the building. She is the president of the Foundation for Women's Leadership and Empowerment. I love it. I love it. So you're articulate. You work hard. You've done the work. Now you are a partner in the elite law firm. What's next? So then you, is that when you get to Detroit and work for the mayor? Afterwards? Yes, actually it is. And um, it, it was a curious turn of events because um, uh, during that time, uh, uh, Bill Clinton had been elected president. Yes. And, um, you know. 1992. <laughs> Everybody was, everybody on the Democratic side, that is, was enamored of uh, not only Bill, but his extremely impressive wife, Hillary. And uh, so uh, a friend of mine, a lawyer in San Francisco, who went to Yale Law School with both of them, said uh, they're looking for lawyers of color who want to apply to be White House fellows, um, you would be perfect. Why don't you apply? So I did. Yes. I w- well, I, di- I really didn't. I was going to, okay. but I needed a reference. And so I said, oh, my God, who, who can I get as a reference? And I don't, I'm not p- political. I don't know politicians. And... Um, she said, well, you know Dennis Archer from the ABA. And I said, the American Bar Association. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, yeah, call him. He just got elected mayor of the city of Detroit. He'll write a letter for you. So I contacted him and I said, uh, Dennis, uh, would you mind uh, doing this reference for me? And he said... Why do you want to go there and work with them? <laughs> okay. I, he, he really did. And I said, well, it's Bill Clinton. And he said, yeah, but White House Fellowship, that's, that's not going to be challenging enough for you. And I said, how do you know that? And he says, trust me, 
I have a better job for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so I said, what's that? He said, how would you like to come to Detroit and be the chief lawyer for the city? And I, this was a very impolitic question, but it just came out. I mean, I had been living in San Francisco, and I said, do I have to move to Detroit? <laughs> and <laughs> a good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. Right. And he said, well, of course. And so long story short, uh, I, I went, I, I was going to take a leave of absence from uh, the firm to uh, help you know, usher in a renaissance in a predominantly black, depressed, economically city. So I thought, well, this is wonderful. I've spent all this time working to establish myself as a corporate lawyer. Here's an opportunity to do some public service in a predominantly black city. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's why I moved to Detroit. How was that living in Detroit? That, in Detroit for a decade, from 92 until you get here in 2002? Two terms was eight years. Two terms was eight years. Okay. Two terms was eight. All right. So you're there. And then what well, was during our term in office that uh, there was a statewide initiative to legalize Las Vegas style gaming in the city, in the city of Detroit. It passed. And so it fell to our administration to implement the project, which meant uh, preparing an RFP, uh, conducting the entire RFP and selection process, and then helping whoever won establish their uh, casinos. And there were three authorized. And as it turns out, MGM Resort, uh, MGM at the time, MGM Grand, was one of the bidders, and uh, our mayor, Dennis Archer, selected them to be one of the three developers, and that's when um, I started uh, working uh, with all three uh, casinos, but that's how the people at MGM got to know me. Nice. I love it. So doing a good job wherever you were and representing your employer professionally, yes. articulately. Yes. And I'm sure there was a lot of hard conversations that had to, you know, that were had or just interesting conversations because you're negotiating, you're talking. Yes, right. Going through the RFP process. Yes, and right. And then working long hours. And negotiating the development agreements was particularly hard. I can, I can, yeah, because there's yes. a lot of money on the table. Yes. A lot of money on the table. And nice. the city wanted as much as we could get. <laughs> I understand that. So I, right. I, I understand. I understand. So let's talk about this. You're now nonprofit now. Yes. You started it. How does it feel now to be a president, CEO, executive director of this nonprofit or founder of a nonprofit? Uh, challenging. Very different from anything I've ever done before. Uh, and it's it's uh, some days exhilarating, all days tiring and challenging, but uh, rewarding because you are, I am, working for such a worthy cause, such which worthy. is developing and empowering women to become leaders of society. Right. And when is the conference? Now you have a conference coming Our up. Our conference soon. is September 18 and 19, uh, just three weeks from now at the MGM Grand Conference Center. And if you would like to attend 
any uh, women entrepreneurs or any women in leadership, you can visit www.fwle.org. And as soon as you hit that page, all the information about the conference is right there. You can register to attend. And I'm sure you have some great speakers lined up. Oh, we have a fabulous slate of speakers. Uh, We pride ourselves on diversity of speakers. So uh, I'll give you our main stage is the first woman Air Force pilot to become uh, one of the Thunderbirds. Nice. uh, Which is huge. That is huge. In the history of the American military. Nice. Um, We have uh, a young black man who is just sensational. He's a coach and author. Uh, His name is Ryan Leak, and he is going to talk to us about uh, diversity and inclusion and how we can all contribute to shaping inclusive, positive cultures in our organizations, regardless of where we work. And... um, One of my favorites, I'm sure, is going to be a young black woman named Deetra Giles, who's going to talk to us about wearing success. How do you become successful and how do you wear the mantle of success? Because a lot of us are successful, but we don't know how to project as successful. And she's going to tell us all about it. I am excited. So, Rhonda, can you give that website one more time? The website is www.fwle.org. I'll say it again. www.fwle.org. All right. Well, I know it has been a pleasure, a pleasure, a pleasure speaking with you today. Is there anything else, like any... Anything else you want to share with us about you, some inspiring words? Because I know there are some young women out there right now that really don't know and they need help. um, And you've accomplished a lot. Well, I I would uh, encourage uh, people to come to our conference because it really doesn't matter what stage you are at in your career. It is an opportunity for you to see really accomplished women role models. That is hugely important. You can get your inspiration from a real live black woman on stage or white woman on stage and not from a TV character like Perry Mason. Um, You will meet people who are like you. You can potentially meet a mentor. Yes. And that is extremely important. And then we have a lot of education sessions that uh, you can choose from that will help you understand better what the skills are that are required of effective leaders. Because believe it or not, um, most people are not born leaders, they develop into leaders. And so how you do that is what we specialize in in this conference. I love it. But I would like you to say that again, because I think people need to hear that. Please say that again. I said leaders aren't born. Leaders are developed. And there is a process for developing effective leaders. And 
many times women have not had the ability to have access to that kind of learning and training. And that's why we exist. Miss Phyllis James, I want to say thank you. Oh my gosh, she just dropped a nugget on y'all. I don't she know. She did. She dropped a nugget. She dropped a nugget. And she said it twice. And she said it twice. So I hope y'all <laughs> understood. Whatever you are going through, you are growing through it. Growing through it. The conference is on September 18th and 19th www.fwle.org Rhonda and I will mention this for the next couple of weeks we encourage you we encourage you your small business owner your mom you're in your job and you just need to know how to how to go I mean how to progress how to get the raises the the bonuses whatever I mean just move up move around this is the conference for you. Yes, it's con- this is continuing learning. And we always talk about this. You have to continue to learn to grow. Get that you mental. never stop growing. You learn something new every day. But thank you so much. You've been listening to the Let's Talk with Leah Crawford and Rhonda Nolan. I am Leah Crawford. I am Rhonda Nolan. And thank you, Mrs. James, for joining us today. We look forward to uh, coming to your conference. See you later, Las See Vegas. You later. Bye. Bye.